I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How to have longevity in the sport of running and feel like you peak at the right time. Today we're going to be talking all about peaking, off-seasons, and base building in the sport of running. Many athletes want to know, when should I start training for my goal race? Let's say you have Chicago coming up. Maybe that was a big question that you had earlier this summer. You wanted to know, how many weeks should I train? Or maybe you've trained for a race in the past and you felt like on race day you weren't prepared enough or not as much as you wanted to. You may have also had the flip thing happen where you've done a training cycle and it just felt really long and by the end of it you felt a little bit burnt out and maybe like you trained quote unquote too long or you peaked quote unquote too soon. This is a phrase that I hear people say sometimes when they come to run for PRs for coaching or I talk to a lot of people on Instagram on our run for PRs account who will message and one of the phrases that I hear quite often is that they peaked too soon for a race. Um, And I like to equate that as almost like getting a little bit burnt out towards the end of that training cycle. And this is likely from feeling that um, one to two months before your actual goal race. So let's say we're doing Chicago Marathon in early to mid-October and you felt really awesome hitting all your workouts. You felt like you were in peak shape in the end of August, early September. And then as end of September, mid-September rolls around, you just start feeling flat, um, that sort of thing. And that can be something that I've heard happen to other runners before. So we're going to talk about things that you can do within your whole year of running um, on a yearly basis or just to promote your longevity in general so that we don't have these things happen because we train so hard for these goal races that we don't want to get to that start line feeling like, oh, I'm a little bit burnt out, or the flip, like, oh, I didn't train enough for this. So Jason, have you ever had an athlete come to you with either of those two scenarios? Yeah, I think I've had a couple, you know, over the years, and um, it's really hard to dissect because each each individual athlete has their own separate, you know, sort of circumstances, and so we have to kind of look back at what, what was their training like, not only during that cycle, but even previously. And I always like to think about, you know, when they ran their PR or during a time where they're running consistently, how did the training compare now to back then? Um, and a lot of times, you know, life um, circumstances are different now than maybe it was in the past. And so there could be extra stress variables in play. And so maybe um, the person's actually overtraining. And so um, a lot of times we have this tendency to think we always need to do what we used to do. Um, or we need to do more than what we used to do because if I want to get to this next level, how am I going to get there? Like before I only did um, maybe two 20-mile long runs, so now I feel like I need to do three or four during this training build. Or I used to run 40 miles a week, now I want to run 45 to 50. And so um, I think that's kind of where we have to really look at you know each individual athlete and look at the big picture. Look at current training, past training, um, how they're feeling, how the workouts have gone. Um, and so it's, it's a really like multifaceted approach to each case. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love how you use the word overtraining because sometimes when we hear these phrases like quote unquote, I peaked too soon, um, we can start to get like really worried that, oh no, like I better not train for this marathon for a long time. When in reality, I think what happens when someone does peak too soon is it's goes hand in hand with that overtraining. So if you're reaching, 
um, six weeks out from your marathon and you just feel like, I can't do this anymore. That's typically a sign that, oh, maybe we did a little bit too much. And ways that we can avoid doing that in the future is looking at, okay, what what did we do? Like what, what happened in your training? And let's maybe do a little bit less. And I think it's really important to go back to that whole phrase. I think Sarah Hall or someone has said it of, there's no such thing as overtraining, it's under recovery. And so I liked how you mentioned some of those stress variables in someone's life. So, so often we go on Instagram or Strava and we see, oh, look at what you know this person is doing. I have the same goal time as them or I have the same fitness level as them when it comes to a 5K. I'm just gonna replicate or try to mimic kind of what they're doing. So they're hovering right around you know, 50 miles a week. I'm just gonna do that. But when we start to do that, it's like we're taking away from where we are in our uniqueness as an individual, where we are at physiologically, where is our athlete background at? Um, and that's what I think we need to get back to those basics of figuring out what works for us. And I really liked how you mentioned, even in various seasons of your life, um, your mileage one year maybe can be a little bit higher, but if you have like those other underlying stress variables, we might need to take another look at this upcoming training cycle and say, hey, maybe we need to make some adjustments. So what are some sneaky ways that this stress kind of can get to athletes? Or what are some of the variables that you would recommend athletes look at in terms of what would compromise their ability to maybe recover like they used to from previous training cycles or workouts? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a loaded question. I would first start with just um, assessing how their everyday runs are, are feeling, right, on an effort scale. Maybe looking at heart rate over time or resting heart rate. Um, and then how they're recovering from workouts um, as well. And then I start to look at, I'll always ask athletes about, like, is your strength, nutrition, sleep, how, mm-hmm. how are those things um, going for you? And so, um, you know, I, I tend to see this be something people say who have taken maybe an extended period of time off and then they come back with a good intention of like ramping things up for this race in plenty of time right like four or five months out so they start training but that increased training load is like so much more than what they were doing early on and then all of a sudden they get three months down the road and they're feeling burnt out um and so i think that you know, experience plays a role and then consistency over time, like year after year, like you're someone that's always pretty much running. Um, you know, you, you take a week off maybe after a, a major marathon, but that's it. And you get back to it. And so I think that really helps with, uh, learning when your body is feeling tired and you can just dial it back to a cutback week. Um, maybe you back off from workouts for a while. And so there's a lot of things you can do, I think, over the course of training to, um, kind of back off and give your body that break. Yeah, and I really liked how you mentioned sometimes it's the people that maybe will take that break, come back, really good intentions, and then maybe ramp up a little bit too much. And it's definitely easy to like slide into that temptation of, well, I feel like this isn't doing anything or this doesn't seem challenging enough. And typically speaking, that's like the sweet spot for training is you want to look at it and you want to think, okay, this isn't going to like destroy me. It's not going to kill me. And maybe those first couple of weeks of marathon training, they might be pretty lackluster. And you know, that's kind of going into that whole base building situation. We're not really going to be doing a lot of super fancy stuff in those base building weeks, which are, you know, several weeks out from the marathon. We want to keep that peak marathon training really close to the race and keep the specific workouts for the marathon as we get closer. But a lot of the times people who maybe they did take some time off or maybe they're just really excited to get started with their training, sometimes they'll look at a training plan and think, okay, I'm like, I'm going to skip the first four weeks or, oh, this, this whole base building part doesn't really matter. And then boom, they just jump into something more advanced. And I've even gone through this myself more recently, like with strength training, I started a new strength training program back in the spring, um, after my marathon and I started doing it and I was like, this isn't going to do anything. Like I was kind of being critical, even though it was like a really, um, well-renowned like strength program that I bought and it was just because it was different and I had never done strength training in this manner before um but then over time like over the weeks I started realizing oh it actually is working and I think that just can be applied to running as well and so sometimes I forget kind of what it's like to be a beginner in in that right. space but when you do when I do take that venture into strength training I'm like oh yes of course like this is kind of what it's like you look at it and you're like 
this isn't going to destroy me. But that's the thing is you don't want it to destroy you. You want to be able to come back in a few days and be able to build on it. You want to be able to have that longevity where you can actually complete the whole program in 12 weeks and each week, week over week, maybe make little, little gains. And that's really where the magic happens. So maybe when you're doing like each run each week in that base building phase, it just feels like this isn't really doing anything, but that's almost like how it should feel. Yeah. I always, I just got off the phone with someone yesterday and I was talking to her about how you should feel like you're holding back um, these first few weeks. Like you want to do more. You could run an extra mile here or there. You could run 30 seconds per mile faster. Um, you know, and I think about, um, you know, really the key to getting to a new level with training and even with strength training would be to introduce um, some new variables. But if you are coming from not doing much, you don't need much. You don't need many variables. You just need kind of like that one variable. All right. And that's consistency getting you back to running. Um, if you're an experienced lifter like you were, and now you're kind of manipulating a few different things, right? You're increasing the weight, you're doing lower reps, you're doing some new types of lifts. Um, but, and so training is complex in that aspect as well, like depending on the, the level the athlete's at and how consistent they've been, you know, for some athletes, we may look to make more than just like one or two small changes to their training to see if we can get them over a hump to a new level. But I think that really depends on a case by case basis. Yeah, that was a really good way of putting that. Um, And I think one way that we, because we're already kind of jumping into like base building and peaking and all that stuff, maybe if we just go through like the life cycle of what would be one example of how an athlete could frame up a year of training, I think that would really help visually and just to like see the timeline here. Um, So in this example, I'm just going to be talking a little bit about mileage and sometimes we'll throw out like numbers here and I'm just using and I'll talk about percentages but I'll probably reference like 50 miles a week just because that's what I've calculated out here um but so let's say you have this goal race your big big goal race and you do it let's say it's uh, the Boston Marathon in April right so you're doing the Boston Marathon in April um what where I want to start this conversation is what do you do immediately after that race, right? And that's where this all really begins because most runners, when they come to us or you're listening to this podcast, you're not new to the sport, right? Most people who are really engaged with this sort of information, it's like you're probably, you just, you've done a race before. And so this is where I think a lot of people set themselves up for not a very successful subsequent training cycle because they neglect this recovery and off-season piece. And so that's why it's really important that we touch on this first because if, let's say, we go over this and you're like, well, shoot, I didn't do that. We're going to talk about ways that you can kind of go back and give yourself a little bit of this off-season and so that you can have more longevity in the sport. But taking time off after a goal race is incredibly important. So if it's a marathon, we're talking at least a full week off of training if you raced a marathon. Um, a lot of people will ask, oh, well, like, what if it's a half marathon? And I know, Jason, you've kind of raced a lot of half marathons, like, at a high level back when you were kind of at your peak. And I know um, you kind of also were in a stance of taking significant time off after a half. And I, I always am like, you know, it should probably be pretty similar. I mean, if you're racing a half, mm-hmm. what, what would you just say to someone that's asking, well, what about a half? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it depends on how experienced you are and what level you're at, how, you know, how, how hard you pushed it. Um, but for me, I, I, I remember I used to finish grandma's every year and I would say, I just feel like I ran a marathon. Like I was, I would have like, you know, those quads kind of cramping up if I was trying to go step up on a curb or a step. And so I, I think I would take about a week off usually without any running. And then that second week back was just some, you know, easy, slow miles, um, maybe every other day with some biking or cross training in between. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that racing a half and racing a marathon within the same training cycle it can get dicey there um, if you're trying to go all out at both because chances are you're probably going to try to go all out in the half about you know eight to six weeks before your marathon and then you're asking for yourself to do another A effort um, later. So that's just something to keep in mind is maybe separating out those two training cycles. Like if you're trying to go for a half PR, um, mm-hmm. 
maybe we're going to do like a spring season with the half and then a marathon season in the fall um, because trying to hit both of those and extending that out and recovering from that half right. can be really challenging. So we sometimes like athletes to kind of have one focus one part of the year and then one focus the next part of the year. Um, so how, yeah, how many weeks would you recommend just taking off for the half? Just a week? Yeah, probably a week. And then for athletes that want to do sort of that half and that full within, I don't know, let's say an eight week time right. frame. I always tell them like, let's pick one as like the A race and the other yes. as the B race. So if the marathon is after and it's your A race, we're going to do some sort of a workout during the half. And it might be like a, just sort of a rehearsal for the marathon. It might be like the first half at steady state and then progress from there or something like that. Um, so we're not going all out in the half so that we can recover faster and hopefully continue training for the marathon. If the marathon ends up being like the B goal, you're just going to kind of do it for fun. You don't care so much about your time and you're in this great fitness, you want to go after your half time and get a new PR, then that's, you know, that becomes your A race. So then we're not going to be as concerned about the training after that. But obviously it's really, you know, it depends on each, each uh, athlete and how, you know, the time frame that we have to work with as well. Right. And I loved how you said you can still do a half, like six, eight, four weeks out, but maybe not go all out. Right. So right. it's not like, okay, I'm going to go at what VDOT says is my full potential. I'm just going to race this thing. You can do something more around marathon pace. And that's a really good specific workout for your upcoming marathon. Um, and like you said, trying to pick which one is your A race and which one is your B race. And I know in the past I've kind of done where the half is first and that's my A race. And then I go do my B race, um, which is typically the marathon because I have more wiggle room in the marathon. So I'm like, well, maybe I can still maybe snag like a PR in the marathon. That was kind of like my logic back then. I was like, well, even if it's not like my A race, maybe I can still run a, a decent time. Um, and so those are factors to think about as well. So if you're someone who has like a really fast compared to your fitness half time, it's probably gonna take a lot more out of you to try to race a fast half. Um, whereas if you're someone who your last marathon, you just did not race your potential at all and you kind of know, okay, I'm gonna PR pretty much no matter what, um, you might, you might be able to get away with doing something like doing the half first and then the marathon and, and potentially PRing at both. But again, case by case basis for sure. Um, but in those where you have the half within the marathon training cycle, we're definitely probably not going to be taking a full week off. You might have like two to three days off mm -hmm. um, and then you're going to get back into it. But as soon as you reach the end of wherever your training cycle is, so let's say you try to snag two PRs that season, which is really hard to do, um, you're going to want to take the, that full, at least a full week off after that marathon, if not two, um, which a lot of people are like, what? Because it, it's so drastic going from running every single day pretty much to mm -hmm. not running at all. Um, but I mean, it's only a week and that's not even really enough time for you to fully recover from the marathon. They say it takes like a month, right? Um, so then what are you going to do after that? Then it's a solid, you know, four weeks without any workouts. So you're just going to be doing like some easy jogging and a lot of people, again, this is a, it's a tough one. So what is your recommendation for that first month? Um, yeah, after good. a marathon in terms of like mileage. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, depending on the level that you're at and how much mileage you're running during the peak training and everything, we'd figure out and how many marathons you've done, right? Because that could be different. And for some people, they may rec recover a little bit faster. Um, if you're considered more of like a durable athlete, you know, I may allow someone to maybe ramp up a little bit quicker. Now myself, I was always very conservative after a marathon. I wanted to make sure I progress back safely without a chance of injury. Cause sometimes I would feel things come on like two weeks later, mm -hmm. like those first few runs mm -hmm. would feel great. And then all of a sudden, like something would start to hurt. And I'm like, what, what, where did this come from? So, um, I think those first four weeks, you're definitely not going to do any workouts. You're just going to slowly build kind of week, you know, week after week, um, probably about 50 to 60% of your mileage that you're doing during marathon training. That's where I would kind of cap you. So, um, you know, if you're running, if you're running 50 at your peak week, you're probably going to be between like 25 to 30, um, by the end of that fourth week. 
Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. So keeping it like less than 60% of your peak mileage. So again, if you have that 50 mile week, we don't want to be going more than like 30 mile per week during that first month. So a full month of like only easy running. And I just wanted to like add in like that first week that you're taking completely off. Let's say you don't feel like you don't need to or something or you go out and you run and you're like well I feel fine again like you Mm -hmm. said it's one of those things that can kind of creep up on you later so just because you feel okay or you feel like right now you can push through this is where it gets sneaky is that if you're not taking the time now and you push 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 and you continue pushing through what can end up happening later is that you get that burnout at in Mm -hmm. your next cycle or you know five weeks before your next marathon, all of a sudden you just have no will or desire. So it's really important to take the time off before you feel like you need it. um, Just to allow all that recovery and repairing and that mental break with training to occur. Yeah, and that also, you know, for me, when I'm working with an athlete during a cycle, um, sort of recognizing that if something is, um, let's say they're kind of getting sick or an injury is kind of flaring up, backing off is one of the smartest things you can do to allow your body that chance to reset so that you don't have to take more time off or miss your event. And so it's kind of the same thing with taking the conservative approach. That's how we want to approach uh, coming back into uh, running again after a, after a, a race. Right. And another caveat I wanted to add, because I always get like, after we do the posts of these podcasts, I always get these objections and I'm like remembering them as we're talking. Um, So someone might say, well, wait, what if I'm doing two marathons in like four weeks or I have another marathon two weeks later or not two weeks, two months later, what should I do? So I always frame it up as, okay, like your season ends when that last race is. You have to make it through to, let's say you're doing Berlin, Chicago and New York. Well, I'm gonna view your season ending after new york like we have to agree on a date Mm -hmm. where like you're going to rest so a lot of people are like oh no well i'm gonna do this race after that and it's like okay we need it at least a month where like we're not doing a race (laughs) like where we're going to take some time off and um typically i like to see that done every six to 12 months like take some time because you know, there's always going to be races and so it can be hard. So I think if runners can mentally just prepare for, okay, like when is the end? Like when can I make this kind of like a bookmark line in the sand of this is where my season ends. Um, it does, You can do multiple marathons. You can do all these right. races. But we do want to have like this end point there. Um, and at that end, we're going to take that full week off, maybe two weeks. We're going to do um, another two to three to four weeks of pretty much uh, 50% of your peak mileage at only easy running. We're not doing any runs over um, 90 minutes. We're just only doing shorter, easier runs. Then after that, we're going to move into like what I would call the off season. And there's so many things that we can do with this off season, um, really depending on the athlete background and what your goals are for the future. So that first month after your race, I think is a good time to reflect on where do I want to go from here? Where do I see myself in six months from now? What are some goals? Start brainstorming. Um, And then we're going to take a look at each athlete on a case-by-case basis. So someone who maybe has been training um, for marathons for the last year and they are just grinders and they're, they're, they've done a lot of high mileage stuff um, and they have a really solid aerobic base. During their off season, we might actually take a step back in mileage and we might go, all right, let's, let's focus on speed. You can still run like 80% of your peak marathon mileage probably and still feel really good, but we're just taking a step back from like doing marathon specific stuff because if that's what you've been doing for 12 months, your body needs like a little bit of a break from that. And I find that focusing on speed work, doing some 5k one mile stuff, that can actually really help when you make the transition back to the marathon. Um, But there's like that other case scenario of that athlete who maybe they didn't have a super strong base going into the last race or they have goals to really reach a high level with their running and 
that includes like taking over an hour off their marathon time, like these are their long-term goals. We might take that off season as a chance to say, maybe we we can work on increasing your mileage during this off season where there's not a lot of other stress variables going on um, or kind of pivot and work on speed. So how do you dissect what an athlete needs during that off season as a coach? Yeah, I mean, you, you gave two great examples and I think most people fall into one of those two camps, right? So it might depend on um, what their goals are for the next year, what races they wanna accomplish. Um, maybe how their training's been structured in the past. You know, if they've never really done a speed cycle before, it could be the time to introduce it and see if that produces any different, you know, results for that athlete. Um, and if someone has stayed really consistent, they've been healthy, um, it could be the time to maybe experiment with slightly bumping up the mi- mileage a bit, especially if they want to continue running halves and fulls. And so I think it really just comes down to um, whatever that athlete is hoping, you know, and even like thinking long-term goals too. I know we have a lot of athletes that want to BQ in like three or four years. That's kind of like on their long-term um, plan. Uh, maybe it's when they age up or whatever it is. And so just planning for that and thinking about, okay, we're here now. We got to get to here. How, how do we best do that? So maybe one off season, we are building mileage. Maybe another off season, we're focusing on speed development. So yeah. they're kind of getting a little bit of both. And so we can kind of work on that that um, you know well-roundedness um, that runners need all, all pieces to the puzzle absolutely and during that off season I like to be a little bit more flexible with athletes so I think you know you have that first month of like really not doing a lot and then during the off season it's probably going to be another minimum of a month but sometimes it can go up to you know two three months I like to be flexible with athletes during that time and say like, what are some things maybe during like that peak marathon training or this last cycle that you weren't really able to do that you like enjoy doing? Or I know for me during peak marathon training, I lost some strength. So I was still doing my lifting, but I wasn't able to lift as much volume or as heavy as I was um, when I wasn't doing like 20 mile long runs and stuff like that. So this off season was a chance for me to like refocus in on building strength because that's really important to avoid injury and working on just like that raw power and speed, especially as you kind of get older. Um, I just, I kind of value that. So I think that an athlete can really look at what are some things that maybe I could work on during this off season that maybe aren't like running related Mm -hmm. um, necessarily. So there's a lot of other things within the realm of running that you can focus on that would improve your running. Right. Um, Another thing is like nutrition. Right. So how often are we like so overwhelmed with our marathon training and stuff that we just kind of let everything slide? We we just start eating whatever's in sight. Mm-hmm. But during that off season is a time where you can really hone in on your nutrition, your sleep, um, PT, yoga, all of these things that maybe we weren't able to do when we were training at such high volumes. Um, what are some things that you recommend your athletes focus on? during the off season yeah all those things you said i think were great and like mobility work and just you know thinking about maybe what their weaknesses were during the training like you said it was strength and um for a lot of athletes it could just be like nagging you know like nagging injuries that were kind of there but they were still able to run through so it's addressing those through strength and through mobility and and stretching and all that and so um yeah i think it's it's really important to take that time and to switch things up because your body needs some change in order to get to like a new level and when you go back to train the way you were maybe then you're going to be that much smarter or stronger or just feel more confident or whatever it is right i know over the last few winters we've done some speed programs and i think a big component to that is the mental toughness you get from that and just working on learning how to push yourself, right? And a lot of times adult athletes that didn't run growing up in high school or college, they don't have that experience of what it's like to run a 5K or race, race one mile races and stuff like that frequently. And so, um, you know, a lot of the elite athletes that you see, they grow up in that system where they're doing tons and tons of racing. They're getting lots of um, workout experiences with teammates pushing each other. And I think that that goes a long way in just, um, you know, and translating to the higher distances um, when you actually learn how to like push your body. And so I think there's a lot that we can learn during an off season period. Yeah. The off season 
is gonna be another one to three months after that one month of total rest and recovery time. And really, I think it can be summed up as a way to focus on some of your weaknesses, like we said. Um, so if you're someone who just doesn't have a super strong aerobic base, that off season can be a time where you focus on building that base. I know in college cross country, um, the summer was really like your off season from track and all of that. And you were still supposed to run in the summer. And I know for the newer athletes, so I joined the team when I was like a sophomore in college with no previous running experience. My coach said to me, like, specifically, just run. Run, like, more than what we were doing kind of in Mm -hmm. track. Take what we were doing in track. Don't do any of the workouts, but try to run about that much mileage, if not a little bit more. And so that was a time where I worked on building my aerobic base. But if you're someone like where I'm at now, where I recently... In the spring, I ran a marathon PR. I had done like three marathons in the last 12 months. It was a lot. So I need to take a step back from running that peak mileage. Maybe it was running a little bit less, focusing more on the strength, getting some of that raw speed back that I kind of neglected for a few months. So it really depends on your background, what your weaknesses are and going from there. But we wanna make sure we're kind of adjusting from what we were previously doing so that we're not feeling totally burnt by the time we start base building. And so Jason, where does the line kind of like cross from off season to base building or does it kind of like have this blurred line? Yeah, this this one's a good question. I remember back in high school, my coach would always have like the whole, the whole season plan out, right, for cross country. And, he would have it in four phases, right? So he's always like referring to these oh, phases, like we're it. gonna start phase two, we're starting phase three. <laughs> and it just, I was like, what What does this mean? But I knew there was gonna be some sort of like change, right? Mm. Maybe it was more speed or higher reps or whatever. And so um, I don't know if there's an exact like time frame. It might be different for each athlete, depending on the, the time that we have to work with, right? Between races and all of that, how long their off season is. But I definitely think there is a transitional period. So maybe after your race, it's sort of just like your recovery period, then your maintenance period for a while. Then I would say after about six weeks, um, you're going to probably move into like a developmental phase where you're starting to work on some of these things that we just talked about, right? You're developing strength, speed, whatever it is. Um, and then you're going to get in your like specific training phase um, for the next race. And that can last however long. And so, you know, you might go through like two of these phases in a year. Um, you know, you may repeat everything twice, depending on if you're doing a spring half and a fall full or whatever it is, you know. So I think it's it's important to sort of differentiate these different you know time frames throughout the year so that you can sort of um, make sure you're not like overdoing it the entire time. Definitely, and I think base building. I mean, there's so many different ways that you like you said it's kind of like there isn't always like the set line in the sand. I mean, you could say that there is like your your high school coach used to define them, but it's. It's kind of like depending on what you were working on during your off season, you might like continue kind of adding volume to that, right? So like if you were working on increasing your mileage during your off season, um, during your base building, you might like kind of continue to increase a little bit, and then maybe we're adding in some farlic workouts or increasing your long run. So it's almost just a little bit amplified of what you were doing in the off season or. For me, I was really kind of focusing on strength training during the off season. And then I started adding in like really short workouts during the end of that off season, like fart legs. But then kind of like as these workouts got a little bit more intense where I was like, all right, this is a little bit more serious here. That's kind of when the line was drawn in the sand for me of, okay, we're building a base for some of these races. And typically it's it, it varies between when when is your next race you want to look at in the calendar like if you have a race coming up you're probably going to start doing base building a little bit sooner you're going to move more into that specific phase as well um and yeah the base building phase can really last anywhere from like four to ten weeks maybe even longer if you're blurring that in with your off season um some of the things that you're increasing during that base building phase is probably going to be one one of the three in any given week right so mileage workouts and long runs we don't want to just go crazy and increase them all at once we want to do it really progressively really slowly over time and that's why it can be um, such a long period because 
we want to do one variable at a time instead of just throwing it all on you. Yeah. And I think, you know, once you're getting to the end of that, that phase where you said it's four to 10 weeks and you start getting into like your peak training, you know, for a half or for a full, a lot of times people ask me this, like, when should I start training for like their fall marathon? And I think what they mean is, um, starting this sort of specific training. So Mm. not just base building, they want to know when they should be at like 13, 14 mile long runs, that sort of thing. And I think it's so important that you're laying that foundation with base building so that you can at least handle that transition. Um, but that peak training or, or whatnot, however you want to refer to it, it should be probably eight to f- eight to 14 weeks, depending on the level of athlete that you are and the race distance. And so, um, you know, if in the past you spent, you had a longer build, then you can probably handle a, mm. more weeks at that in that phase. But if you're coming off like a time of not running that was extended, um, maybe your your phase here might only be like on the shorter end of eight weeks. Right. And then going back to when we said, oh, base building lasts anywhere between like four to 10 weeks. If you're at like four weeks, we probably aren't going to go on the shorter end of like peak marathon training as well, unless your base is just like solid, like you're coming in it with like pretty good mileage. You're doing a lot of hard workouts already but most people I think it tends to be a longer base building season just so that you have the mileage and long runs to support an actual marathon training cycle or a specific cycle so if this is a marathon training cycle the base building phase tends to be a little bit longer um and then the peak phase you know some people myself included I thrive off more of this peak marathon training being around 10 weeks or under just because like we if we go back to the beginning of the podcast one of those phrases of oh I peaked too soon typically (laughs) that is because you started doing peak marathon training too soon and I've definitely been there before where it's like oh actually um I can't do this anymore (laughs) and I think that happened to me in like 2014 I was training for a marathon in mid-May and I got to like beginning of March and I was like nope like I'm not going to be able to carry whatever this is so I just kind of like pivoted found some random race in Kansas and that ended up being my first Boston qualifier but I think like listening to my body in that way um, I wasn't working with a coach at the time but I was like I'm not gonna be able to do this for much longer because I was kind of going at it from mid-January to mid-March and so I was like oh is there something wrong with me but like no it's if you're doing marathon specific training where like your long runs 13 plus miles and then you're doing like a key workout once a week that it takes so much energy and drive and mental willpower to do that for several weeks let alone this 14 week i mean it that's really hard so i think the longer you can have that base building um the better and then the marathon specific portion of training it really doesn't have to be all that long and sometimes it's better to have it actually be shorter, especially if you're someone who has a strong base going mm-hmm. into that race. Because again, it's so, so taxing to have that portion be long and we don't want um, people to, to feel burnt out. It's better to be at the starting line of a marathon slightly under train than over train, that's for sure. Yeah, just listening to you talk about that makes me realize how valuable the base building phase is. Mm-hmm. And most people, I think, overlook it. They yeah. only care about, like, the specific sure. phase. And it's like, well, it's kind of too late already at that point. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you're trying to reach some sort of time goal, it's best to have that strong base established. And so that kind of goes back to limiting your time off, right, and being consistent. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of a fun thing to think about. And cutback weeks are something else that came to mind when we start thinking about um, – you know, let's say you're, you're doing that eight to 10 weeks of your peak training, you know, how many cutback weeks to have or how often to structure those is really important. And so looking at each individual athlete, like I might do two weeks on and one week off. Some athletes might do three weeks on one week off. So that gives them mm. that one cutback week a month. Um, but I'd like to hear your take on that and maybe how you've maybe evolved over time as you've gotten to run over 20 marathons now. Um, how often do you take a cutback week? Yeah, so that again, I think is going to go back to how long is this peak marathon training going to go? If you're trying to stretch that for like 14 weeks, I think we're going to need cutback weeks way more regularly, right? Like maybe it's every other week, maybe 
Um, yeah, every other week I think is probably pretty solid, uh, but every two weeks for sure. If you're if you're trying to stretch a marathon specific mm-hmm. portion of the training cycle to be 12, 14 weeks, you're going to need to be taking a lot of cutback weeks in there in terms of that long run um, being, you know, two and a half plus hours. Because that's a, another thing that I see a lot is people will do like the two and a half plus hour long runs every single week mm-hmm. and then they hit eight weeks out from the marathon they're like oh i can't do this anymore and it's like yeah it's uh, we didn't need to be doing that so so soon and i think yeah a lot of people do overlook that base building phase like you said um people kind of it's not as like it doesn't sound as cool oh, base building because a lot of people i think they think oh i i actually already have a solid base i i run i'm a runner um but it's like you want your base so strong that you can do pretty much anything with it right and so i think of that as like your biggest strength your biggest power is like you want to have such a solid base that you can do anything with it and like you were saying people overlook it i have done marathons where i didn't even have a marathon specific um training cycle like i just had a solid base like i was just in base building and then all of a sudden i was like Huh, I think I want to sign up for this marathon like the week of and yeah obviously I wasn't racing it like I didn't have that um, upper edge but like I was still able to run a pretty decent time and negative split and feel feel really good during the race and that was with like pretty much no long runs I did like one fifteen miler um, but that just goes to having that strong base if you have a strong base in that base building you can do what like anything with it and so i think we really need to start valuing the base building more and then think about that marathon specific training and think about maybe i want this to be a little bit less maybe i don't want to do you know 14 to 17 mile long runs for 14 weeks maybe eight weeks of that is good (laughs) and i'll be ready to go but i think you know when i ran my 301 time i I had eight weeks of marathon specific training. Um, mm-hmm. That was it. I did a long run every, I was able to get away with doing a long run every week, I think, except for maybe one week. Um, but when you're having like a shorter train cycle, again, you can maybe get away with, okay, I only had one cutback week in that right. eight week period. But if you're doing something where you're stretching it longer, we just really want to be aware of the recovery aspect of things. Because right. if you're not able to get that recovery, um, in within your training cycle it's just going to end up with that you know maybe burnt out runner at the starting line of the race yeah and experience plays a huge role so you've done you know over 20 marathons now and for you a cutback long run might be like 15 miles whereas well, for some people it could be like eight or nine well and then so, i think it's important to look at time too so yeah. that's that's a bummer is that if you follow a lot of these people maybe you follow like molly seidel right or like i follow one of your friends who's like a 220 guy uh, okay. matt bomeister he like you look at his strava and i'm like oh my gosh he, he just did like 17 miles and i'm like oh it took him like an hour and like 45 minutes or something it's Mm -hmm. just it's wild because you can't you cannot compare distance for people so someone Mm -hmm. might look at my cutback week and be like oh she did 14 miles it's like yeah but it took me less than two hours whereas if you're running at a different pace 14 miles could be anywhere from three hours to like less than an hour and a half like I just I think going more off of time is critical so that cutback week I usually say like less than 90 minutes or less than two hours just kind of depending of your level yeah yeah really analyzing kind of where you're at um how experienced you are with that you know marathon we're we're kind of talking about marathon training here but um and figuring out like do you need that every other week build should it be two weeks on and then a week cut back what you know what should it look like for you and um and how many weeks total do you plan to spend in that marathon specific training all of that's going to depend on what your base looks like, you know, and as well as how much time we have before your race. Absolutely. And then the cutback weeks are incredibly important, right? So we want to have at least like at a minimum, um, one cutback week a month. Uh, and more people are probably going to be doing this every, it could be every other week. It could be every two to three weeks. Um, I think what I do in most of my athletes training cycles is every, every three weeks. Um, sometimes it's every two weeks. And that's going to be mileage of less than, or it's going to be, gosh, 70% of your peak 
whatever you were doing for that peak week. So let's say you're at like 50, you're dropping down to whatever 70% of 50 miles is um, for that cutback week. And then also during the cutback week, you're not going to be doing a long run over 90 minutes at least like once a month, um, for sure. That's important to restore glycogen and just to like make sure we're not kind of burning the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, then moving into, okay, so we peak, we do peak week. It's like, yay, I did my 20 miler or, you know, your three hour long run, whatever. Um, then it's all kind of this this tapering, right? So tapering for the marathon traditionally is anywhere between two to four weeks. I've done a four week taper and had a lot of success with that. Um, I've also done two week tapers and I feel like I don't really have success with that. Um, what are your thoughts on like Yeah, two, I mean, I think the traditional three weeks, yeah. taper is like three weeks. You know, most like organizations and races, they'll do, they'll advertise like that last long run, right? That 20 mile long run, mm-hmm. three weeks out. Or, you know, some places it's like 22 miles, three weeks out. And it's like, mm. um, I have seen a few where they do one two weeks out as well. But I think you got to kind of, uh, figure out what, um, you know, if it's your first marathon, I would go with a three week, um, mm-hmm. or even a four week and just see how that goes for you. And then you can kind of make an adjustment for your next marathon based on how you felt. So, um, you know, and weather could also play a factor too. You know, for example, if you were planning to do a four week taper and then oh, yeah. it was like super yeah. hot, but the next weekend it looks like it's going to be way cooler. Like maybe you just kind of wait to do that really long run. <laughs> and so I think it, I think it'll depend, but, um, yeah, typically the first week gonna be it's basically like a twenty five percent reduction if you're gonna do that four week taper, but if it's a three week taper, probably a little bit less than that. Yeah, so I think tapering can be anywhere between two to four weeks, but like you said, traditionally it's it's three weeks. So I think that's what I recommend for most people. That's what I do with most of my plans. Sometimes I start the taper sooner if like someone's feeling a little burnt out or whatever, or if you had a half race and you're just not feeling Peak, building back up to a peak mileage and then tapering back down. So it's just really variable. But if you're in a traditional training cycle, you do that, you know, super long run. And then that first week, um, you're going to do like a 25% reduction in mileage, but you're still keeping your workout in and you're still going to have a long run that weekend. So that first week, it doesn't, gosh, the first week, I just feel like it doesn't really feel like you're doing much right. of a cutback. Like you see it visually with your mileage and you're like, why am I not feeling any better? So sometimes you can just get it in your head a little bit that first week um, because it is still quite quite a bit of mileage and then you're still doing like probably like a two, two and a half hour long run that weekend. It's really that next week that you're going to start to feel a lot better. So you're going to take whatever you did the first week for mileage and you're going to reduce that again by 25%. So again, if you're at 50 miles, that first week of taper might be 38, 39. The next week was going to be closer to like 29, 30. And then the third week, um, it's marathon week. You're pretty much going to do like nothing during the week. I mean, you're going to have your easy runs, but they're going to be significantly reduced and then you'll probably have like one marathon workout like where you do marathon pace a little bit here and there but the idea is like going in the race with pretty uh fresh legs and reducing that mileage by quite a bit in the those weeks and just doing it gradually over time but again one thing that's really important is keeping in that workout those workout days because you don't want to like feel flat um on the race day yeah, and the taper is also a time. I know a lot of athletes, they get in their own heads. Um, mm-hmm. They start to get worried and they doubt their fitness and they're paying attention to the weather and like all of these things, right? And it's really a time for you to kind of make sure you have every all your ducks in a row. Like start planning if you're traveling to your race or um, start getting your nutrition, your meals planned for that week prior so that you make sure that you're doing uh, you're staying on top of your schedule, you know, making sure you're getting adequate rest. Um, all of the, all these things that maybe were kind of overlooked during your peak weeks, um, now you're having a little bit more time freed up so you can spend that energy focusing on these other things. Right, and we're going to have like a whole podcast episode on the taper in a couple of weeks as like the Chicago Marathon and all that stuff kind of comes underway. So we'll go into more detail with that. But essentially, yeah, so then you're going to have your goal race and we'll just like repeat the cycle. Um, and the thing that's going to be different with like each cycle is that you might have a different focus. So in this example, we talked about like a marathon training based build, but you might have your next cycle where you're like, actually, I want to focus on 5Ks and 10Ks. And so that's going to look a little bit different. So 
within each phase, it's just really important to remember after your goal race, we're going to take that off season. And so maybe in this example, you do that marathon and you're like, well, I actually have another marathon right after that. It's like, yeah, we can, we can do that. But again, we have to draw that line in the sand, um, figure out when your off season is going to start. And then just kind of like re rebuilding and reverse taper after some time off and recovery. And I think that's like the best methodology for longevity in the sport. And you can get away with like not doing it this way. Obviously, um, I even in the past, I've done it before. But what ends up happening typically is that eventually after a couple of years or whatever, um, you'll just kind of reach a point where your body is asking for a break or mentally you just kind of get burnt out. And so that's why we're sharing this is mainly so that you can have more longevity in the sport because most of the people I know who are runners, they want to be runners for a lifetime. And so we'd hate to see someone like jeopardize their long-term longevity in the sport of running for these like short-term, like, oh, getting caught up in um, pushing their body to the absolute limit. Um, Do you have any advice in terms of longevity in the sport or training cycles as we kind of close out? Well, that was really well said. And it made me think of like a new runner who wants to run their first marathon. And then they also want to do another marathon like right after. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if you haven't experienced it yet, you don't know how your body's going to respond. So I would kind of shy away from that. Allow yourself after your first marathon, that full recovery period, don't have another race on the calendar after that. Um, And then really just for longevity, long term, it's it's about consistency and then just changing maybe one variable at a time so we don't want to make too many drastic changes to your training because um, that can be a recipe for a disaster and so just figuring out um, you know what is what is one thing that you're gonna maybe do differently this time or um, and over time you're gonna start to see a pattern right like this is this worked well for me this didn't work well for me it could be that your body responded better to the physiological benefits that you got out of that training cycle or it could also be like uh, life is different for you back then. Maybe you worked a different job, mm. right? And now you're on your feet a lot or now you're sitting at a desk all day. And so just thinking about all of these different factors, right? Or maybe you have young kids now and so you're not, right. your sleep isn't as well. And so we always need to be thinking about the big picture and not just like the amount of training. Right. We can't always compare to the past either. Like you were saying, life circumstances change. So if you're thinking about, oh yeah, my peak mileage back in like 2015 when I was training for this goal race was... XYZ, we're not going to use that mileage anymore. We're going to use like where you're at now. So it's always important to start like where you are at and then just move from there and build from there. So closing out with this, if you guys, I know we talked about a lot of stuff and it can be a little bit overwhelming when you're trying to figure out how to do this all on your own, especially because there's so many variables involved, but we work with a variety of different athletes who have different goals, different backgrounds. And so for us, it's just like second nature. Um, and we love looking at different scenarios and like where you're at and helping to get you to that peak fitness and then also promoting your longevity in the sport over the course of years and decades, not just looking at this one training cycle. We like to work with people during off season, during base building and during peak training. And so we can work with you really wherever you're at in this journey and start um, building to your peak potential from there. So if that's something you're interested in, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com and we can get you set up with a free seven day trial working with a coach. So again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.